Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan here as we bring you another great episode of Talking in Circles. Kyle Busch was your winner of the Auto Club 400 today, his 200th NASCAR victory, the 53rd of his Cup career. We'll discuss that. We'll also talk about the debacle that was qualifying on Friday. What, if anything, can be done to save group qualifying? We'll discuss that. Also, Hendrick Motorsports, another disappointing day for them today. Stuart Haas Racing, they seem to have lost some speed they had last year. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about uh, Cole Custer's win in the NASCAR Xfinity Series on Saturday. And take your phone calls at 917-889-8280 here tonight on Talking in Circles. Uh, a, another race here and another win for Kyle Busch. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Spencer Cowan. Do you think Kyle Busch is the early favorite to win the championship here in the Cup Series in 2019? Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, I don't see why not. He's been in the Final Four the past couple of years, and uh, he's, you know, he finished second last year, and he's always going out and leading laps and winning races, and He's in a Toyota, and they're dominant. And plus, he's with Joe Gibbs, and they're dominant. And he's a hell of a race car driver. He knows how to wheel a car. And So, yeah, I would definitely say he's uh, he's an early favorite to go out and win the championship. Or not maybe to win the championship or to be in the Final Four. But, yeah, he's he wouldn't be a bad name to uh, bet on in Vegas, that's for sure. That's for sure. And, you know, it was the second one of the year today. Uh, the new rule packages seem to really play into his hands. He's got a worst finish of sixth this year. Led 134 laps today. Really was a dominating, dominating race for him. Uh, the only time somebody led for a significant period of time other than Kyle Busch was in the beginning of the race uh, when we saw the pole sitter go out um, and lead a little bit. The first 13 laps, it took Kyle 13 laps to get to the lead. Um, Hamlin led the first two, then it was Amarola, and then it was Hamlin again, and then it became Kyle Busch. Um, but from that point forward, it was Kyle Busch's race to lose. And then he had a speeding penalty late in the race, uh, fell back to 18th, had to work his way up through the field, and he methodically did so. Now, he was helped by a caution when um, Bubba Wallace and the Richard Petty Motorsports for a Chevrolet blew a right front tire, left front tire, excuse me, on his number 43 Chevrolet. That bunched the field back up, made, created a new restart, and Bush was able to get ahead of Kozlowski and Logano for the victory. Kyle Bush was your winner, Joey Logano second, Brad Kozlowski third, Kevin Harvick fourth. Ryan Blaney, the top five, three Penske cars in the top five today as well. Um, so, Philip Matthews, so far it's it's been a Penske and JGR show here in 2019. JGR's won three races. Penske's won two. Penske has all three of their cars finished in the top five today. Kyle Busch has, has, has a worse finish of sixth this year. Um, so far, so good if, if you're a JGR or a Penske fan here watching your teams go out there and perform really well early on in this season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's at the end of the day, the 18 was the class of the field, and if it weren't for the um, the convenient WWE penalty that they called on him in the pit stop there, I think he would have ran away, and he probably would have lapped most of the field because uh, he had that much pace on everybody. But I give the Penske guys credit I mean especially the two car even though he was fast on Saturday he struggled early in the race on Sunday after the first segment they made uh, Paul Wolf and Brad made a big change there and they picked up a lot of pace Uh, the 22 car has definitely been that one car I mean coming back from you know, being the defending series champion, would there be a little bit of a fall off? Actually, they actually have just picked up and maybe been better than what, where they were at times last year. And uh, they've been really consistent. And uh, I mean, Blaney gets another top five finish. Uh, credit to Kurt Busch for uh, basically holding up the Chevy camp uh, outside of him and flashes from other guys. It's, really been Kurt Busch that's held up the mm-hmm. uh, bow tie. Uh, but, yeah, if you're if you're not a fan of Penske or or Kyle Busch or, to a lesser extent, I guess, Hamlin or Martin Truex, if you're if you're not a fan of either Penske or, or, or Joe Gibbs, you're kind of hurting for results uh, so far this year. Uh, the SHR fall-off is interesting, but... 
when you consider they basically made it a overrated Xfinity package and the two best teams for a long time in the Xfinity series have been Penske and Joe Gibbs. It's a fair point. It's, it's not really all that shocking and when you consider the guy who's the all-time leading uh, Xfinity series winner is the guy that's won two races and possibly should have won three in a row. And then you have Logano and Brad who have, been, who have won a lot of races in Xfinity. Uh, it's, I mean, and, and even we talk about the SHR, I mean, two of the cars finished in the top ten. I mean, granted, it's not Kevin Harvick winning races, but two of the guys finished in the top ten. Suarez, mm-hmm. I think, got his best finish of the year. And then, I mean, mechanical issues for Glenn Boyer, but Glenn Boyer was running up front before said mechanical issues. But, you know. It's true. I, I would go and uh, you'd probably have to go and look at the fall off on some of these other teams, but I'd also say that I think it kind of uh, fits the bill for what's going on or what has gone on for a long time. Yeah, no doubt. I think when you look at today's race, um, and, and again, I, that when you look at Stuart Haas Racing, um, I'm not saying they're running horrible, but this was the team that had all four cars running very, very well last year. They all were on clicking on all cylinders. You know, it wasn't uncommon to see three or four of those cars in the top uh, 10 last year and all four of them in the top 10. And it just seems like right now that they're just a little bit off. I mean, Suarez ran okay today. You, you mentioned him had a decent day, probably his best run of the year, but still 13th's not great. Amarola, we saw him peak, peak uh, in and out of the top 10, finished ninth and Harvick fourth hasn't let a ton of laps this year just seems to be a little bit off. He was able to get a couple of spots at the end. He was back in seventh with about 20 to go and able to get a couple of spots at the end there. Uh, and got Kurt Busch and I think Ryan Blaney, maybe Denny Hamlin there. So um, he, he was able to get a couple of spots and, and, and salvage a, a much better day than what he could have had. But it just seems like right now it's Penske and Joe Gibbs that are really out and everybody else is sort of catching them. And, and this can all change. I mean, the West Coast, everybody talks about it. You heard Boyer say today in a pre-race, that these West Coast cars are built already before they come out West. You know, all the the stuff that they've learned out West now will go into their race cars when they get ready for Texas and the yellow races com- coming forward here. So we'll be able um, – I, I definitely think right now it's a Joe Gibbs racing and a Team Penske uh, deal right now that's that's leading the brigade here in the Cup Series. Uh, Kurt Busch was sixth. You mentioned him. Another strong run for Kurt Busch uh, leading the Chevrolet Brigade, the Bowtie Brigade. Uh Denny Hamlin, seventh. Then it was Martin Truex Jr. who had some damage in that Bass Pro Shops Toyota, gotten gotten some significant right rear damage in the accident with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. when he spun. Um, Eric Amarola finished ninth, and Austin Dillon, tenth. So a couple of those guys. Dillon had some issues today as well. I think he blew a tire at one time, had to pit under, under green. He was able to come back and finish tenth, which is a good run for him. He wasn't feeling well, sat on a pole, um, after a crazy and wild uh, qualifying session, we'll talk about that in a little bit later. But uh, anybody really, Spencer, that stands out in the top ten that you look at and and basically say, uh, you know, they had a good day or they they struggled today, who's your guy that you look at in the top ten and, and uh, you think did a pretty good job today? Well, the top ten is, you know, normally uh, the same guys that we see every week in the top ten. But, I mean, the guy who's really been impressing me, is Kurt Busch. I mean, I think we can all agree that we can talk about him each and every week. I mean, and if he keeps running like this, there's no doubt why he shouldn't go far into the playoffs. I mean, he's putting up consistent top tens uh, each and every week so far, except the Daytona 500. But, uh, and then Dylan, you know, that's a positive for that team finishing 10th. He qualified on the pole, you know, because of the uh, qualifying deal. But uh, so, yeah, those two for sure. But, I really don't have a surprising one, you know. Like you said, it's Penske and Gibbs and guys that you expect to run up there anyway, so. Yeah, no doubt. And I think, um, to me, again, it's Kurt Busch. There's a, you're absolutely correct about that. It's good to see Blaney, too, finally, the last two weekends. He's had speed all year, Ryan Blaney, in that 12 car. But it's good to see him put together a couple of races here uh, in the top five and get some momentum for that team. Martinsville is going to be interesting to see what happens. Blaney really hasn't gotten his arms around that place yet at Martinsville, so it'll be really uh, interesting to see what goes on there. Again, I was very impressed with Truex's run today, considering he had some damage on that car, significant damage, not just a little bit, significant damage on that 19 Toyota, so I was very impressed with that run. Amarola, does, it seems like he does a, a good job every week. He's up there fighting for a top 10, top 5 every week. Another nice job by Amarola today. 
Uh, as we go a little deeper in the field, 11th through 15th, you have Chase Elliott in 11th. That was the top finishing Hendrick Motorsports car again today. And I'll tell you, I was more shocked today than I was all, all year about this team because Jimmy Johnson had, had speed. Chase Elliott had speed in practice. And it just seemed like maybe Hendrick Motorsports was finally getting their arms around this uh, package here uh, on these big two-mile racetracks, these mile-and-a-half racetracks. And um, it didn't happen today. Elliott was 11th. Kyle Larson, 12th, Daniel Suarez, 13th, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. ended up in a 14th position. Um, and then 15th spot went to uh, William Byron. Then it was Chris Buescher, Jimmy Johnson, Matt Benedetto, Eric Jones, and Paul Menard, your top 20. Uh, when you look at, at, at those, that top 20, there's a couple of guys that stand out. One I mentioned earlier was Jimmy Johnson. Had great speed in practice, qualified in the 11th spot, which you say isn't really where you expect that 48 to be. But it's a step in the right direction usually for them. Well, today they ended up the race not in, in a great spot, in, in 17th spot. They had handling issues in that car. I thought Roush Fenway took a step back today. When you look at Stenhouse, he was running in the top 10 early, got up to fourth or third early in that race. He spun, ended up 14th. Ryan Newman, his teammate, ended up 22nd a lap down after qualifying seventh. They didn't really seem to get their, their arms around a long run of this package here for those guys. So that was a, that was a tough, tough day for them as well. Other guys, Chris Buescher, um, in the 37 car, I thought he did a very good job. 16th place run for that team at JTG daughter racing. And you're going to say, well, that's 16th. It's not a great run for that team. It's a step in the right direction. Um, and again, you know, when you look at where Chris Buescher right now, um, isn't a point standings, you know, he's doing pretty well for this season. Um, and, and he's, you know, putting himself in a much better spot than, where they were last year compared to, um, you know, they're, they're 22nd in points right now. He finished 24th in points, but he's run pretty good. He's only got one top 10 finish. Team's had some speed, uh, 18th, 16th, 16th, and 9th in the four races other than Daytona this year. The 500s really hurt them points-wise, but they've been in pretty good shape here. Uh, I think that that, that 37 team is, is really starting to sh- spread the wings. And, and the crazy part is, you know, they got an association with Hendrick Motorsports, and on a weekly basis, it seems like right now that um, Chris Buescher is out running some Hendrick Motorsports cars. Alec Bowen finished 21st today, uh, and then I mentioned Jimmy Johnson the 17th. So he beat two Hendrick Motorsports cars today and was right behind William Byron in 15th. So uh, not a bad day for Chris Buescher. But, uh, Philip, anybody in the top 20 that really stands out to you? Larson, a, a guy who here at California, a lot of people say he, he runs really good here. It's his hometown racetrack. Not a very good finish for him today. Yeah, I mean, I, Eric Jones, it both, I would say Kyle Larson and Eric Jones, two of the younger drivers stand out. Eric Jones has had a pretty solid, uh, I mean, it's very limited starts uh, for him. He had a average of 9.5 uh, coming into, at, at Auto Club, coming into today's race. And when you consider that his teammate had a, wrecked uh, right rear corner and he finished eighth and his other teammate finished seventh and the one the guy that won is uh, Joe Gibbs car and he finished 19th Uh, it's kind of hard to figure what's going on there outside of they've R&D'd him they made him the R&D guy Uh, I mean he finished behind Burrito D Burrito so I mean it's for him to get beat by the the pseudo, the real R&D car is pretty bad. I don't know if they had stayed out on tires or what on that last run, but I don't think so. I think he he was able to get tires. So the fact he finished 19th is pretty bad. Uh, mm. Kyle Larson finishing 12th at the track where he he he's won a race before and he's been really good at. And it's interesting to look at. Kyle Larson actually is ahead of Kurt Busch in points by three points. The fact that Kurt Busch has two top five finishes, uh, I think the difference is the stage. He has the stage win, and I think that's the difference between Kyle Larson and Kurt Busch this year is really the the stage win he has over his new teammate. But, I, you know, the... 42 not being able to be up there, considering the roughness of the track, I'd have thought Atlanta, the way they ran Atlanta, minus all mm-hmm. the mistakes they made there, you would have been more competitive. They weren't as competitive today. Started 15, only got a 12-place finish. They did hit the fence during that 
uh, oh, Richard, uh, spin out, and uh, that might have hurt their car a little more. Uh, it's entirely possible. I think, I mean, Kirk cut a tire down, and he had an issue. He still came back to finish fifth so, or sixth. So, I don't know. You have to, I mean, it's a Chevy. I think across the board, the Chevys are lacking, and you would have thought that the new aero package you know, worked in their favor. Quite frankly, it's worked more in the favor of the Toyotas, but I think most changes that they made since 2015 have been in favor of the Toyotas, so that's a whole other thing. Yeah, it, it's uh, when you look at Larson's season, it's interesting. You know, you talked about Atlanta, led 142 laps there, won a stage, had a pit road penalty that really put him back there, but he ended up 12th, and you look at his season, it hasn't been – a complete disaster where you're going, oh my gosh, what's going on? He's got two top 10 finishes and three 12th place finishes for Kyle Larson. So all, all five of his races have been top 12 finishes, three 12th place finishes for him. But we, I, I think Spencer, we expected more from him this year. I think that's the biggest thing is when you look at it, you expect more from him. You expect more from what this team's been able to do. And, um, you know, he had some issues today. There's no doubt about that, but it just seems like, is, is it a Chevrolet problem, do you think, with with this these teams right now? Because only two Chevrolets finished in the top ten. They really weren't even uh, showing up today as far as, um, you know, what we were used to seeing from Hendrick Motorsports and, and the Chevrolet teams. Uh, Dylan ran okay today. What's-his-name had some issues. Uh, Daniel Hemrick had, had some uh, right rear tire issues that he basically blew the whole right fender off the car. Um, but, you know, Chevrolet's been a little bit behind – do you think that's what it is? And, and are you confident about Kyle Larson and what this team can do, considering that they can only really improve from here um, and that they're still, you know, eighth in points and, and not looking too, too bad? Uh, what are your thoughts on, on that 42 team and, and all the Chevrolet camp uh, altogether? I mean, I definitely think it is a little bit of a Chevrolet problem. But like I said in, the last, in one of the last shows, they've had a year to get this solved. And, you know, uh, I know a lot of stuff and especially switching to a whole new type of car that definitely takes a lot of time. But I don't think it's a Chip Canassi problem. I mean, if it was, his teammate wouldn't be running the way he is. I mean, Kurt Busch has been up front all all year long, and Kyle Larson's just always been behind him. And um, they're just slipping on a few things, and I hope they get it figured out. But like you said, he's eighth in points. You know, he's a long way from falling out of the points. But, uh, yeah, he can improve a little bit, that's for sure, get rid of them twelfths and maybe get finished eighths. I'm not saying, I mean, he can go out and win a race, but just improve a little bit. I'm not saying go out and start dominating. Uh, but, yeah, he can only get better. But if it was a Chip Ganassi problem, the one car wouldn't be running as well as he is. And, you know, Dylan sat on the pole. You know, that sh- this should be a little bonus for Chevy. I mean, they're fastest in qualifying. And But uh, Hendrick has struggled last year, too. It's not like this year they're coming out and being crappy. You know, they struggled last year, and the only one who had success, Bowman ran okay and Chase, but – other than that, the 48 was awful, and the 24 didn't run so well. So Right. Uh, well, even the yeah, nine. So hopefully they just get it. Yeah, the nine in qualifying, too, if you remember correctly. Chase Elliott spun out in qualifying. You know, so they've really kind of searched for um, the, the handling of those cars, that car, yeah. all in, in those cars all weekend long here at, at California. And I thought for sure the 48 was good in practice, had had some decent speed. I thought they would put it all together, and they didn't do it today. And um, you have to start to wonder now if this Mustang is, you know, again, I'm going to give them to Texas and, and, and the other races following that because it's the West Coast and they continue to run like we've seen today. Um, I think you have to sit there and scratch your head and go, maybe this Mustang, maybe they need to completely change the body here and do some things to get this Mustang where it could perform better on the track because um, it's, it's a little bit alarming that since they've made the change, uh, they haven't nearly been where they need to be. 917-889-8280 is the number here on Talking Circles tonight to call if you want to talk about anything from the weekend at Auto Club Speedway or anything about today's race from Auto Club Speedway. Um, you know, what did you think of the racing today, Philip Matthew? Um, I, I personally think, you know, and, and this is going to happen at times, and I don't want people to think that every race, and I, I put this argument in even at Atlanta, where people were saying today, you know, the cars are really spread out, and that's true. They were. But how close can do you want these cars before we really put them all in a restrictor plates and say, well, that's what we're going to do for every race? Um, I think today was more of a factor of the 18 team 
and Kyle Busch just kind of whipping everybody today. And it's going to happen at times. But overall, um, on this West Coast swing, we learned a lot about this, this new package that NASCAR threw out in 2019. What did you think of it today, Philip Matthew, uh, at, at Auto Club Speedway? Yeah, I mean, I I give yeah I think what you said there, Clayton, is is exactly right. The uh, 18, you know, after he gave in his own words, he's been PO'd about giving the Vegas race away, and since then he's been on some sort of mission. And uh, he dominated at Phoenix last week. He dominated. I mean, the fact is, it seemed like he had 50 more horsepower. It's like he didn't have to have any help. Uh, or any type of, he didn't really need any help at all. Uh, the only time he really had to struggle was what we're going to talk about later is in the Xfinity race when he got into traffic. Because other than that, he hasn't had a struggle here in the last couple of weeks. And uh, the the reality is they can keep on trying to manufacture racing. They can keep on trying to change the rules all they want. Uh, as long as the cars are sealed off to the ground and they all have common, you know, templates and this, that, and the other thing. I mean, people are going to get away from each other. And these, and when you go to these big racetracks, that's just what it is. And it's been that way. And when you make it into an engineering science, that's what it is. You know, people complain about, oh, like they're comparing it to Formula One or they're comparing it to IndyCar. Well, that's what it is. What is Formula One and IndyCar, they're engineering sciences, but there are great drivers, and if they're able to do a really good job, then in generally more in IndyCar than Formula One, then they can show themselves. In in NASCAR, it's become more of an engineering deal, and these teams that have the the resources are able to come out front. And uh, I mean, the point is, it's not like ACS is exactly known for putting on amazing shows. They've had really good races recently since they went back to the one race. Uh, today's race outside, if they weren't sitting there obsessed on uh, all, you know, kissing Kyle Busch's butt, then maybe we would have seen some racing. But the problem is Fox isn't known for showing anything other than and NBC, isn't known for showing anything other than the leader. And when they all have this, like, they have this story they need to hype and push and make everyone get into, then, of course, we're not going to see any racing. It's entirely possible there's racing behind them, but nobody would know because right. all they showed was the 18 car all day. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, they showed the Penske cars when they were battling. There was good racing for about three to five laps after a restart. Fine. But that's what the point is. It's exactly the same as what we've had for 10 years or whatever, 10, 15 years, 20 years. I don't know, as long as I've been watching. The better part of my time watching. You go and get five, 10 laps, and then after that, people get away and they spread out. It's, it's just what it is. It's not going to be IROC. And expecting it to be IROC, it's, even though they've tried, it's not going to be that way. And, uh, right. You know, it, there's there's a reason why the guy, I don't have to like the guy, but the re, I don't like him as a person, and I don't like his character, but the reality is he's won 200 races in the top three series for a reason, and he's won most of his, his races with, with Adam Stevens. And that's one thing people are glossing over, and I'll go and hitch my wagon to that. Adam Stevens is a, re, is a major reason, if not the biggest reason, why Kyle Busch, is where he is, especially in the Cup Series, because ever since he's been on the pit box, he's taken himself to another level, or he's gone to another level to where he's become this, like, all-worldly figure. He was a really talented race car driver, and he could win races, but he'd blow himself up. Now, the same, that, whatever, that penalty, the WWE penalty they called on him, would have blown him up in years past. Today, right. he's like, oh, whatever. And then he went in, in within 20 laps, he went and got the lead back and ran away with the victory. And and I would say that's because of uh, Adam Stevens. And, you know, we'll see what happens. I, 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 I'm i more curious to see at some of the other crappy cookie-cutter tracks like uh, Texas and Kansas, uh, and once they've made some new cars and things like that, to make a full... To, to go and fully give 
an analysis and see where they're at. But I mean, it's yeah. more of the same. It's just they took away horsepower and they put an eight-inch spoiler on the back of it. That's that's basically, and they put some ducks in the front of the nose. Like like that's really the only difference now compared to what they had years ago or whatever. You know. Well, here's my problem from today's race, and and I'll say this, and I felt I didn't feel this way about Atlanta or Las Vegas. Or even Phoenix. Phoenix is a short track, so it wasn't the exact same package. Um, but I felt today, for whatever reason, clean air was a bigger factor than it was at Vegas and Atlanta. Um, I, you know, wh- whether it was Kyle Busch in the lead or whether it was Brad Keselowski, I truly believe when Kyle got behind there and he was he got a, worked his way up to third or fourth, if he didn't get that caution from Bubba Wallace, he would have had a real tough time passing Keselowski or Logano. Yep. Um, they were so exactly. far ahead of him because of the clean air. So. Um, that to me was the biggest issue with today's race at Auto Club Speedway. I think it's been the biggest issue with this package and really with NASCAR over the last uh, five to ten years is that clean air is such a major factor at these mile and a half, two mile tracks, whatever you want to call them, the cookie cutter tracks. I think that to me um, has been the is the biggest problem that we've seen at Auto Club Speedway. How about you, Spencer? What did you think about the the racing so far? It's we're done with the West Coast trip. It's hard to believe we're done with the West Coast swing already, um, but we're done with the West Coast swing. We've seen five races with this new pa- four really with this new package. What do you think of it so far? And uh, do you think it's changed anything? Do you think the cars are closer together? What are your thoughts? Uh, I texted you today and I said I hate this. It, 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 some races I hate it, and some races I don't mind it. You know. Uh, I don't know, I guess just the development of the racing uh, each week, you know, it can make you think different about the package. But like I said, some days I like some days I like it and some days I don't. But, uh, no, I don't think it's really done too much but slow the cars down. I mean, the cars were barely hitting 180 into turn one. I mean, in previous years, we've seen them hit two, 210. So the only thing it's done is slowed them down. And, no, the leader still pulls away. The first five cars have pulled away. I mean, in today's race, I saw some good races, you know, passing back and forth and, racing each other pretty hard uh but other than that no it's they still run away with it and it uh gets very boring to watch but you know i'm glad there's a short track coming up and we don't have to worry about this pulling away crap and we can see some short track racing and some beating and banging and hopefully guys don't get pissed off because you're getting raced too hard i'm tired of hearing that too so uh (laughs) we'll just have to see me and you both there i know larry mack that's one of his biggest pet peeves 917-889-8280 here is the number to join the show here on Talking in Circles. We have Ben in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, on the line tonight. Hello, Ben. What do you want to talk about tonight? Hey, uh, just about the racing in general, I guess. With this, uh, my question is, is why NASCAR has been going in the direction they have. If you look at it, and I've generally felt this way for a while, why don't we go back to the 2014 rules package? I've noticed fans traditionally want the horsepower back, but you also got – you also have a much higher downforce than we've had in the last several years. I've also noticed you've had more greater side-by-side races, and in theory the draft was coming into the play more, but you were also getting that good balance effect. I'm just wondering why NASCAR is going in the direction they are. I Generally, they're not – I've noticed a lot. It, that was a, the best rules package they've had in the last decade. I tend to agree with you, and I think the reason, and I'll have Philip and Spencer chime in here in a little bit too, I think the reason why they've gone this route in a completely different way is, and and let's face it, let's just be honest, um, the the ratings and the attendance has been down. And I think if they thought that that people really liked that 2014 rule package and really thought that that 2014 rule package was the way to go, we would have seen a spike in ratings, we would have seen a spike in attendance. And, you know, tracks, you look at it today, it, was, it wasn't terrific, the crowd today. But we have to remember, California has taken a lot of seats away from that racetrack over the last five, ten years. So it's even got worse. And I'm not saying that all sports aren't, uh, you know, right-sizing and, and stuff like that. But I think NASCAR, that is what they're looking at ultimately is they want to see ratings improve. They want to see int- attendance improve. And they're not going to stop making tweaks to this package, these rule package until they see the ratings improve. And in 2014, the ratings went down. So I think when they look at it from that standpoint, I think that's why they're going the way they're going is, well, we, we've tried a lot of different packages. Let's see if, if this is more towards what we want to see here in 2019 with the, with the ratings going up. What are your thoughts on that, Spencer? Do you think that that's accurate? And why do you think they've gone this way to the rule package? 
Yeah, I think you nailed it. Uh, you know, we've talked about this in the beginning where we think they have to uh, fill the seats and they are taking away seats to make it seem like it's sold out and they want to make it exciting. They want it close racing because, you know, a lot of people is getting um, uh, pretty pedo about the leader pulling away and it's so spread out and it was uh, boring and they fell asleep. So, like you said, they're never going to stop changing until we get something that's exciting and fans are like, man, I want to go see this. I'm going to buy a ticket. Let's go. We'll have a good time, see good racing. So, until until the seats are constantly getting full, I don't think they're going to stop. And, yeah, I think you're correct. They're going to keep doing everything they can to make it exciting as possible. But, uh, you know, Tony Stewart said it right. If you want – he said, look up the definition of passing and look up the definition of racing and tell me what they say. Uh, this isn't mm-hmm. called – you know, racing isn't for passing, you know, but, uh, but that's what fans want. They don't want to see it pretty boring, but yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting concept because I think, um, you know, there was one point in this, in this world, NASCAR was considered the fastest growing sport in America for years and years, for almost two decades. And it's gone and taken a big nosedive. And for whatever reason, you know, we could, we could sit here all night um, and, and, and discuss what has changed from 19, 19- from that point in, in the late 1990s and early 2000s to now. Um, but, Philip, what are your thoughts on, on why they've decided to go from the 2014 rule package to, to this year in 2019? Uh, just real quick for, for Ben, uh, what do you think is the reason why they've decided to sort of go in, a, I think, a completely different direction than 2014 here in 2019? My, my thought was... was... You want me to go? Go or? ahead, Philip. Yeah, go ahead, Philip. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the short answer for me is just looking back out of curiosity to look back at 2014. Uh, Toyota only had, what is it, two wins in uh, 2014. Uh, Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch each won one race. Uh, Chevrolet and Ford benefited much greater from those rules packages which had basically unlimited horsepower and uh yeah had more downforce sure but they had unlimited horsepower and toyota has never been about peak horsepower it's been about middle middle range like more torque and uh their engines have performed best in the other two series and since 2015 they've made rules packages that have built been built more towards making an engine that isn't as good at top peak horsepower be up there. And coincidentally, Toyota has taken a step forward and Kyle Busch has taken a trajectory up, which I don't think he needs any help anyways, but whatever. And then you have Martin Truex coming out of nowhere and he becomes this big thing and vice versa. You know, like it's, it, it, it you look at who won and who dominated in the 2014 season. It was Brad Keselowski, Jeff Gordon, Kevin Harvick, who ended up winning the championship, June Bug, and you look at all the Hendrick Motorsports guys are winning. Then you look at the Penske guys are winning with Joey Logano. I mean, it's all it all kind of fits. You know, the SHR cars, at least two of the SHR cars, were competitive then. So I mean, it's. And they were a Chevy team then. So that's my two cents on that. Interesting. Uh, ben, does that answer your question? Is there something else you want to discuss tonight? Um, yeah, I, I was actually kind of thinking kind of in this standpoint. I'm thinking it may be a manufacturer standpoint and potentially a cost control measure because, I mean, if, maybe this is just a trend issue, but if you've looked at it, the thought process, I think, partially with cutting the horsepower in particular has been let's re- try to reuse the engines and make them multi-use versus what they were doing back then, uh, which was single race use. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, think that's part. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I think that's part a large part of the reason why they were doing that. Yeah, I think they, they – will. T- I'll say this. I'm not sure – um, from a competitive standpoint, that's why they're doing what they do with the engines. I think it was more like you said, a, a cost efficient thing where they try and, and keep the cost down. It's gotten outrageous. 
you know, for whatever reason, again, we can go and we can dive all night into this if you wanted to about why NASCAR, the Cup Series, has gotten so expensive over the last uh, 20 years, really. And it's always been expensive, but it just seems like the last 15, 20 years, it's really gone crazy where uh, teams, you know, we saw a big shift in teams really when we went to the COT. Uh, we saw a lot of teams shut down, a lot of teams merge, and uh, and then we went to this new car again. We saw a lot of teams shut down and merge as well. So um, I think it is the cost factor. I, I think multi-car teams are really uh, the big teams who have four cars and, and, and lease their engines and lease their chassis out to other organizations. I think they have a stranglehold over the sport where they kind of hold them and, and it, they make the costs really of those own products, their own products. You know, and I think it hurts the smaller teams to be more competitive. So, um, yeah, I think they're trying to look at everything they can from a cost standpoint to try and keep the field as balanced as possible. I think that's a fair, that's a fair assumption. Mm-hmm. All right, Ben, thanks so much for calling tonight, and uh, be sure to call Talking in Circles again. Thanks so much. All right, thank you. You too. Have a great one. Thanks. You too. Ben from Winston-Salem, a good call there for us. Again, you want to call the show, 917-889-8280. Talking Circles. Clayton Cotal, Philip Matthew, and Spencer Cowan here tonight on, on Talking Circles. Um, something else I want to discuss, guys, and before we move to the Xfinity Series race, was the I, – I don't know if you guys watched Friday's pra- uh, qualifying session, but it was sort of uh, – and, and Larry McReynolds, I thought, hit a home a run today when he – Yes. Larry McReynolds hit a home run today when he discussed it on uh, the pre-race show today um, on NASCAR and Fox where he said, I thought it was an embarrassment to our sport. And I agree with them. And if you guys missed it on Friday, um, qualifying the three rounds, the last round, the, t- the round of 12, nobody made a lap. They, they kind of waited and waited and waited the last five minutes, and nobody made a lap. And there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, I think one of the reasons, and a lot of people are looking at it and say, well, why didn't, you know, a car just step out of line and go? It's an interesting point because Kurt Busch did the same thing in round two, and he ended up qualifying 22nd. Um, when these cars watch the problem with this qualifying session, I felt at least was the fact that you didn't have to be first in line. You didn't have to be second in line to cut a fast lap. You had to be sixth, seventh in line to cut the fastest lap. And I think cars were sort of waiting for everybody to go because they said, well, we can't really cut a fast lap or sit on the pole, which is really the ultimate goal in qualifying. You don't really care where you qualify. If you're 14th, you know, if you're fifth or fourth, you want to be on the pole. That you want to get the recognition for the pole. You want to get the pole pic- pictures. You want to lead the field the track, to green. Too. You want to get and and the, the pit selection. You want to get the pole. To me, that's the ultimate goal in qualifying. Um, so these teams, instead of, of hanging out and and uh, just saying let's just take one lap and see and, and get the pole that way, I think they said let's try and do it based off of uh, how we're going to get the pole, and they waited. Um, I, I've felt, and, and I think the biggest reason why we saw NASCAR come out and say what they said, which was, we're going to make some changes here when we get to Texas in a couple of weeks, was the fans booed at Auto Club Speedway. Um, it was a significant booing, and I think NASCAR kind of looked at it and said, wow, if the fans at the racetrack are booing, what are the fans on TV saying, oh my goodness, we have to really make major changes to this qualifying session? Uh, Scott Miller said that the, he felt the drivers made a quote-unquote mockery of the qualifying session. I thought he made a quote-unquote mockery of the qualifying session uh, when we talked about it on our first show on Talking Circles here back in February where he said, hey, we're going to have to group qualifying and quote, we're in the entertainment business, end quote. Uh, I thought that was a mockery of qualifying. I thought it was a joke that he said that. So um, here we are now, and I guess my question to you is, and I'll start with you, Spencer, is there anything you can think of that will save group qualifying for the time being, uh, and what is, what's your, or what's the solution to this? You know, I saw a lot of things out there this weekend where people were throwing stuff at the wall. Uh, what's your solution if you have one for group qualifying here in NASCAR? Well, I think would say go to single car. But you said to save qualifying, and you guys might think it's a stupid idea, but I'm just throwing out an idea. Say, um, just say, you know, if you guys sit on pit road and nobody uh, makes a lap. Well, then just say – then you you start where you're based off in points. And let me tell you, there's a lot of guys, good guys with good teams that are down in the points, and they don't want to start where they're at each week if that happens. So I feel like if they go, wow, we're sitting 30th in points, you know, we've had a terrible year so far. We don't want to start there this week, and so we're going to go. 
um, you know, that's just an idea, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. Um, mm-hmm. but that's a, that's an, that's an idea, but, or just go back to single car qualifying because nobody really goes to qualifying anyway. So who cares if it takes three hours? Don't televise it. Just do it the right way. Well, and, and they have a yeah, contract that's, that's with the TV. Yeah, that's a good, and, and I've read that before, and I'll say this. I think um, the teams who, who made a lap in qual- and one and two should get uh, rewarded because they did what they were supposed to do in qualifying. Okay, yeah, you're and right. And the teams that kind of sat back in round three, maybe they can go to the rear of the field. I wouldn't mind that, essentially. But, um, you know, I also read Denny Hamlin said something on, on Twitter, Philip, where he basically came out and said, hey, why don't we do, do, do group qualifying for the first two rounds and then the third round of qualifying do single car runs. Um, I think it's a, that's a little confusing, but I didn't think it was a horrible idea. Do you think there's any way to save this group qualifying uh, format or do you think we need to go back to single car runs? What's your uh, solution? What's your idea here for qualifying after what we saw on Friday? I think there's, I mean, my idea for group qualifying just based on, you know, what Spencer just mentioned and just coming up with something off off the top of my head. I mean, they have – what they do is they don't run in IndyCar as a good format, and so does Formula One, where they go and split. They do basically elimination formats, which is where NASCAR got it from. But what they do is they give a certain amount of time, and they're but they have to run a lap. I would say that, you know, if you're so worried about running, because this is the thing, they want to run, tape these cars up solid, and they want to do all this, and they only want to be able to make one lap. Well, the reality is run, you know, run in pods of, like, they used to do this in NASCAR on road courses. Run from the slowest in practice on to the fastest in practice, and you run pods of six or seven cars and you run that up until you get down to 12, you know, you run for however many minutes and you run up until you get to 12, there'll be a little more action going on. A few less cars per, but you'll have a little more action going on. And then you get down to 12, whether you want to dictate that you break that down to smaller groups or you break that down to teams or, I mean, you could get into semantics. This is the thing. They, because of the way this rules package is, they're going to, and they did this, and Scott Miller, you said this, you're right, because he's a moron. He decided to go and say, oh, we're in the entertainment business. It's just like Robin Pemberton talking about boys have at it, you know, and it's like showing that it's like WWE. And the reality is it's hard for people who actually respect what the sport used to be and what it was about. Makes It makes me, it makes my blood boil that this is what they think is okay to let that happen. I mean, it's idiotic. Send them all to the back. You know, you're not going to run to the – you're not going to run a lap. All right, start in the back. Start in the tail. Mm-hmm. Or as Rusty Wallace like to talk about, starts tailback. I like to start tailback. You know about that, Doc? Tailback. You know, like, you know, so send them to the tail. And take whoever starts 13th and say, yeah, yeah, you can go. And, and on top of that, they lose their pit position. They lose – or get crazy, and you're going to start taking their pit pit road picks, you start finding them, you know, let's, let's get really serious about this. I mean, all peer people never cared about qualifying. I'm like, you know what? It's true. People didn't care about qualifying unless it was certain races because they didn't show it on TV until like about 1996. They didn't right. start showing qualifying. Nobody knew any different, but then they had multiple rounds of qualifying back then and they did it over two or three days. So, right. I mean, it's not like, it's not an it, it, this it qualifying is not meant to be entertainment. It's about to see who's the fastest car. And if you can't do it in a one in a single car format, which they do in the truck series perfectly fine, and it looked like they did that with Xfinity too on Saturday, then what's the point? You know, like you you make the take the freaking plates off and let them go as fast as they freaking can. That's then we'll see who's the fastest car, or uh, you, fix it. You know, like that's really yeah. there. There's one or the other. Here's my thing. I think we have to keep in mind too that you know I read a lot of different things on on Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that. And I like fans when they come out and and give their opinion and think about it and and try and be a little bit creative. But you have to keep in mind as well. And I think sometimes me as a fan, I do this as well, where 
we sort of sacrifice the teams and say, well, let's do a, like a 25-minute a qualifying session. So every team's going to run 25 minutes of, of qualifying kind of deal. And you sit there and go, that's a lot of time. That's a, that's a whole set of tires they're using. That's a whole load of gas that they're using where they're not getting paid for it, um, essentially. Now, they all make the race now. I mean, we had 38 cars today. We haven't had really f- more than 40 since Daytona, and I doubt we'll have more than 40 all the rest of the year. Um, so that's something to keep in mind where you know, we have to kind of keep it cost efficient, too. With these teams, I think the teams will kind of look at it and say, "I'm going to do run 30 minutes of qualifying." It doesn't make, and we'll take my my best laps. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And you know, for 40 years, we basically did it where teams went out, made one lap, two laps, and it was over and it was done. And you know, um, I, I like the fact it made it interesting to me. Qualifying always did from a team perspective, where each team sort of got there, like we saw in Daytona. Each team sort of gets their moment in the sun. Um, you know, you focus on their car, you focus on their sponsor, you talk about their team and what they're doing this year, and each driver sort of gets interviewed. David Starr got interviewed during the Xfinity Series practice this week, and you don't see him get interviewed ever, or during the Xfinity Series qualifying this week, I should say. You don't see him get interviewed ever. So it's sort of a, a nice deal. I think that's what is would be cool about it, as well as I like to see the competition of somebody going out there and knocking somebody off the pole. I think it's cool. You know, we used to, I remember one time not too long ago where I had my whole family, uh, uh, my whole wife's family, I should say, around the TV screen watching qualifying, and Jeff Gordon was the last car to go out and knocked off and went and took the pole, and everybody was cheering and yelling, going, yeah, that's what we want to see. You know, I think that's what's cool about this is that, you know, you sort of get that, you could get that walk-off moment. You could get that, um, you know, where one driver, you know when your driver's out there, you can sort of cheer your guy on and go, let's go, let's go. And I like the, the competition aspect of it in, in single car runs. So it's not the most exciting thing in the world, no doubt about it. But I think if you're looking at it from the speed standpoint, when you're looking at it, some, here's, my, here's where my guy is where, compared to where everybody else is. Okay, you know where we have to work. You feel better about it because you sit there and go, well, I, the only reason why we didn't get a good qualifying lap isn't because we didn't get a good draft. Isn't because somebody screwed us up on the, on the, on the qualifying lap. Isn't because we timed it incorrectly. Isn't because we had the wrong strategy. The only reason why we have a bad lap in single car runs is because you did it to yourself. Whether you screwed up on, on your on your line that you went, or whether you screwed up with the handling of the race car, uh, those two things are really the, the biggest things in qualifying. And I think you sort of sit there and go, I can swallow that if I if I don't qualify good. Where now it's like, what's the point? So, um, at the end of the day, I'm not sure what they're going to do. Uh, I think we're going to go back to single car runs. I really do. I think that's going to be the drivers are going to be pushing for that. I think the teams are going to be pushing for that at the end of the day. I think the NASCAR doesn't want to see what they had. I think, again, the reason why we changed it, guys, I truly believe is because the fans went out and really booed at all Club Speedway and changed. And, and that made NASCAR sort of sit there and scratch their head and go, maybe we're doing this incorrectly. Because, if the, again, if the fans at all Club Speedway are, are booing, then what are the fans uh, on the TV think? Because that must have been uh, what they thought. 917-889-8280. Again, talking in circles, Clayton Cole, Philip Matthew, Spencer Cowan here. We'll discuss the NASCAR Xfinity Series race, Production Alliance Group 300 from Auto Club Speedway. Cole Custer was your winner. Kyle Busch second. Christopher Bell third. Tyler Reddick finished fourth. And Trace Briscoe, his first top five on a, on a circle, on an oval track this year uh, in his career in the Xfinity Series. He finished in a fifth position. Um, a nice run for him. But what did you think, Spencer, of this Xfinity race? It was a Kyle Busch show until, uh, again, really the second to last stage there where he had a pit road speeding penalty, or a pit road penalty, a bad pit road, I should say, bad pit stop, went to the rear, had to work his way up, could never catch Cole Custer, and that double zero forward, and Cole Custer, who led the final 29 laps, went to victory lane there on our final 19 laps, excuse me, went to victory lane and took the victory. What were your thoughts on Saturday's race in the Xfinity series? Yeah, I mean, there was no surprise. I mean, uh, Philip, you picked them to, uh, uh, I think, win the race or in the Xfinity Series when we did our picks. I'm not sure. But, yeah, I don't think uh, it shocked either one of us. But the only guy who was able to keep up with him really for the first, you know, I want to say maybe 10 laps, eight laps before he fell off was Reddick. You know, Reddick had a really good car. He was the only guy who could go up there and really put some pressure on Bush, whether he was – worried about him or not i don't know i'm sure he wasn't but he still showed that he could get on the back bumper of the 18 car and uh give him a run give him a run for his money but yeah another kyle bush show and 
I enjoyed the race. I thought it was pretty, uh, pretty good besides having the same leader. And I'm not sure, was there another caution after Bush had gotten his penalty and worked back to the front? Yeah, we had uh, Brandon Jones spun on lap 125 okay, there. So, so I'm sure the penalty hurt him. But yet he still had another caution and another restart to work, and Cole Custer just ran away. So uh, I think it had to depend with the clean air that you were talking about earlier. Clean air is key. So uh, I can't totally blame it on the penalty because, like he said, he had another restart. So, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, it had a lot to do with it, and Cole Custer uh, ran away with it at the end. And thank God a Ford or American-made car or, or a different drivers in victory lane. That's all I want to see. Well, I'll tell you, uh, Custer's pretty good on these tracks where this is a lot like Homestead where your tires wear um, the big the big wide tracks. Custer's really run good, and this is his third career win. Uh, what did you think, Philip, about the Xfinity Series race here? Uh, another good run for Ryan Sieg. He finished 11th. Um, there was a couple of times in that race. Uh, he also had a couple of stage points in that race as well, so a nice run for Ryan Sieg. Uh, I'll give you 6th through 12th here quick. Austin Sindrick, 6th. Brandon Jones, 7th. Ryan Priest, 8th. Justin Allgaier, 9th. Justin Haley, a top 10. Then it was Ryan Sieg, Noah Gregson, Michael Annette, uh, Jeremy Clements, and Brandon Brown in the top 15. What did you think of the Xfinity Series race, Philip, real quick, that happened on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I'd pick, I'd pick the 18 to win, and I was wrong by a day, I guess. Uh, the reality is he had it won, and then uh, his pit crew didn't do so good, and he was whining about it, but he played the PR game afterwards he just didn't have a car that he wasn't as fast as the double zero and Cole Custer once he got out front uh, was able to hold that lead and actually pull a gap and you got to give credit to him and you have to give credit to Mike Shiplett and the engineer that moved over from that 42 Xfinity program that they were able to pick up I mean it's pretty interesting he was readily available and probably Kyle Larson and the 42 team would have benefited having those two guys still there on the cup side, but SHR hired him for Cole Custer, and now he's locked into the playoffs, and uh, he's going to be able to R&D. He's going to be able to do some work to try to battle Christopher Bell, which at the end of the day when we started this season, it was probably going to be between the 20 and the double zero, and now – uh, with both of them having a win, it's down to that. I, I would say for sure. I mean, Tyler Reddick has shown to be pretty fast in that two car. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just can't close the deal just yet. But four, five races, four top tens, three top fives, and two poles. They've only qualified three times this year, so or they've only got yeah. I mean, they have three. Yeah, they've only had three actual qualifying guys into both guys. So I mean. The reality is it's basically going to be between those three guys right now. Uh, the junior motorsports team is uh, struggling a little bit compared to last year, uh, which is kind of a interesting uh, sign there, an interesting drop-off. Uh, Ryan Sieg is about the fourth best car right now this season, fourth in, in average finish. He's averaging an 8.4 after five races at this by far the best he's ever performed. So all the changes they've made over there have made a big difference in terms of performance, and they're going to have a couple weeks to prepare for their next race. So that's a big deal for that 39 team. They're solidifying their spot in the playoffs uh, early, uh, giving them yeah. a little bit of a gap. So, I mean, that's that's a interesting uh, thing to see as well uh, in, in, for the long term in terms of the entire season, giving yourself about a 30-point gap to a 15-point gap, it looks like, over Ross Chastain over there in the cutoff. Yeah, that's that's what's really interesting is, is Sieg. I think Sieg's the, the sort of Cinderella story here so far in the Xfinity Series. When you look at the point standings, and you mentioned that they're off next week, it's the Truck Series and the Cup Series at Martinsville Speedway next week, and the next, week, the next race is at Texas Motor Speedway in the Xfinity Series, so... Um, yeah, it's Reddick leads. He leads by seven points over Cole Custer and Christopher Bell, who's back 14 points from the from the, the leader. So um, those three, I think, have really separated themselves so far early in this season. Uh, and then it's everybody else. You got Brandon Jones fourth, Austin Sidrick fifth, Michael Annette in the sixth spot right now. He's also got a win at Daytona that has locked him in 
to the playoffs. Then it's Justin Allgaier, Noah Gregson, eighth in points. Ryan Sieg, who we mentioned. Then John Hunter-Nimichek, 10th. Chase Briscoe, 11th. And Justin Haley, 12th. Uh, a little further back in points. Ross Chastain is 13th. I'll say this about Chastain and that four team. Uh, I think he's going to have to do his best work in that 10 car this year. Uh, Chastain, I heard him on pit road before the race on, on Sirius XM NASCAR radio. And he was saying how that four team is, is sort of in a transitional period right now where their, their cars are a little bit off to where they need to be. And it shows, I mean, he hasn't nearly been as good as he was last year in that four car, the last couple of years so far here in 2019. Um, and they sort of, have showed that. I mean, he finished 13th at Daytona, won a stage there. Then it's 14th, 7th at Las Vegas was a good run, but 17th and 18th at Phoenix and Fontana to finish up the West Coast swing there. So that's been a little bit of a of a interesting um, thing that's, that's starting I mean, to come, come into fruition. What what'd you say? Oh, he's got three races I mean, with the tank car. He's got Daytona okay. and he's got two more. So. Uh, We'll see. He's going to really have to make up some ground there if he wants to make the playoffs. And his four teams are really going to have to make up some ground there if they really want to uh, make the playoffs. Because I think right now those 12 who we have uh, in there are, are going to be locked in there. I don't think Brandon Brown – it's a nice story to see them running pretty good this year as well. Um, they bought RCR points. They're running for the full schedule. But right now they're uh, about – I think they're just a little too far back. Right now almost 40 points back to, to make to 12th right now. And that's a whole race – I'm not sure that team's got enough uh, experience behind it to really start rounding up some good wins and getting themselves in a playoff hunt, but obviously they can win a race uh, somewhere, maybe at a road course or something like that if they get lucky enough. But I think those 12 we have right now in Ross Chastain, that would be the only outlier right now outside the top 13, outside the top 12 that I think would make it. Clements, I mean, he's done it before on a road course. He could do it too, but he's 16th in the standings right now behind Galding, who's 15th. So, uh, you know, just something to keep an eye on as the season goes along here in the Xfinity Series. Um, you know, uh, just just the fact that that Sieg's just run really good, and I think he's sort of put himself into the playoff run. We'll see if he's able to do that here um, as the 2019 season goes. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. Talking Circles. Clayton Caldwell, Philip Matthews, Spencer Cowan here. Last few minutes here of Talking Circles. Just want to give a, a quick preview, guys, of what we're going to see here at Martinsville Speedway next weekend. It's one of my favorite weekends of the, of of the season. Um, it's, it's a truck and Xfinity series, excuse me, truck and cup series show. Xfinity has a week off, as we mentioned earlier. Um, what I love about this truck series is it's the entry list is always kind of wild. You know, we're going to see it tomorrow and I think it's going to come out. And we're going to be like, who the heck are half of these, not half of these guys, but there's going to be about seven or eight guys where you're like, who the heck are these guys? Um, it, it just seems to always happen like that at Daytona. They always have the short track guys who are trying to make a dream in a truck series and making it work. So that's kind of nice to see. It's kind of fun to see, but uh, Martinsville is my favorite racetrack on this circuit. Still can beat and bang. You can lean on each other. I'm interested to see what this package does. Um, but real quick, uh, Spencer, what do you think we're going to see from Martinsville? Uh, is it going to be a typical Martinsville race? How will the rule package in the cup series affect this? What are your thoughts here with, with the last 90 seconds of the show? Uh, okay, Philip, just real quick, what do you think we're going to see here at Martinsville? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I would say more of the same. I mean, from what we've seen so far this year, uh, maybe we'll see an SHR appearance because Clint Boyer won there last year. Uh, Kevin Harvick has always been pretty solid there. Uh, some of these teams that might be a little bit off, be able to do something at Martinsville. Some of these smaller teams that have struggled so far, the Ryan Priests and Daniel Hemricks, who have had rough starts to the year in their rookie battle, might be able to make a run at, at Martinsville. You know, uh, the RCR team, is the three car has been good there recently with Austin Dillon. So, I, I mean, I would say more of the same because JGR has always been good there and Penske has two really mm-hmm. good shoes there. Um, but, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see on Friday when they do qualify. Yeah, and uh, I'm just curious to see whether Hendrick Motorsports can sort of save their season here uh, and, and, and sort of right the ship. They've always been pretty good at Martinsville in the past. Spencer, real quick, um, who do you think will run good? We'll, we'll be able to dive into this a little bit later in the week, a little bit more when we get the entry list and we talk about it a little bit more. But uh, who, who do you think is going to be strong this weekend at Martinsville? Do you have any idea? 
I mean, Kyle Busch is not, I'm pretty sure that's a good answer. I'm pretty sure you guys would agree with me, but uh, I would say Chase, you know, he seems to be running really well there in his past years. Uh, so, uh, you know, he could have won there, but there was an incident between the 11, but that's not the point. He <laughs> he knows how to get around that, that, that place now. It seems like he has a truck win there with GMS, so he's a good pick, but uh, I mean, the 18, you know, plant one last year, so it's a short track. You know, it's fun, beating and banging. Somebody might squeeze their way up into the front, and We'll just have to see. It's going to be a fun weekend. Yeah, and we'll see if it's able to sort of, I think these short tracks sort of level the playing field where if these teams that are behind on arrow, um, that are a little bit behind on maybe the arrow package or, or the mile and a half package can sort of get a win, get their season uh, uh, in a little bit better shape here at Martinsville um, with a win. We saw it last year with Clint Boyer where he won Martinsville, and that really helped his season where he was able to get a good feeling after that and be locked into the playoffs and, and roll off another win a little later on in the season. But um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes for these teams here as we get ready for Martinsville. I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking in Circles tonight. It was a lot of fun. Thank, again, thanks again to Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan, and we'll see you later next time on Talking in Circles. Good night, everybody.